New City? Good morning, good morning. Thank you so much for joining us today here at our South Park campus, as well as those of you who may be watching online. I'm Rodney. I'm one of the pastors here. And I just want to start by saying congratulations. Congratulations. Listen, we made it to the last Sunday of 2019. That's praiseworthy. Amen? That's praiseworthy. Yeah. Yeah, we made it to the final Sunday. Listen, for some of us, this was a trying year, right? For some of us, this was a trying year. For some of us, this was a trying decade, but God, right? But God, and we made it. We made it. So I know that there, there is some miracles in the house this morning, and I'm excited to see you guys. So before I get into the Word of God, I uh, want to go over quickly uh, a little bit of family news here. just want to start by saying thank you, thank you, and thank you to all of you who contributed to our New City Serve offering. Um, as you know, we were collecting an offering all throughout the month of December online, as well as at our Christmas Eve services. And we have some wonderful partners that will be benefiting from that. If you remember, uh, Urban Promise will benefit, Urban Ministry Center, as well as Congregations for Kids will benefit um, by your generosity. So thank you once again. Can you give yourselves a round of applause for that? Thank you very much. And so we have some exciting things coming up here at New City in the next few weeks. Uh, next week, January 4th and 5th, uh, our very own Pastor Chris Payne will be having a conversation with Dr. Layton Ford. And if you're not familiar with Dr. Dr. Ford, he is uh, a leader of leaders in a lot of respects. He likes to uh, mentor and raise up uh, leaders. So it's going to be a wonderful time of, of information sharing and wisdom. And so I pray that you'll join us for that. And the week after that, we'll be diving into a brand new sermon series entitled Sandpaper People. Sandpaper People. You know those people that they just kind of rub you the wrong way, right? You, you might be sitting next to your sandpaper person. Don't look at them. Look at me. Stay, stay. Eyes here. They, they won't know if you don't, if you don't look at them. Uh, so we're going to be diving into that uh, the week after next. And for some of us, we are the sandpaper person to somebody. Amen. And so we'll be diving into that. And lastly, uh, we have a Bible reading plan on the app. Uh, that I invite you, challenge you to jump into at the beginning of 2020. My wife and I, we're going to be diving in as well. And it's, it's always good to, to continue to grow and cultivate our relationships with the Lord. And so you can find the Bible reading plan once again for 2020 on our app. So before we get into God's word, let's gather at his feet for prayer. Amen. God in heaven, thank you for this moment. Thank you, Lord, that you knew about this moment before you formed the heavens and the earth. Thank you, Lord, that you are pleased with this moment. We pray now, Lord, that you would remove anything in this atmosphere that would impede the flow of your spirit. We pray, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear, hearts to receive, and the discipline to apply your word to our lives once we leave this place. God, we pray that you would remove any distractions from our minds. We pray, Lord, that you would settle our hearts today. There's a lot going on. But yet and still, you are God. So we pray, Lord, that you would get the glory in this place as only you can. In Jesus' name, God's people said amen. Amen, amen and amen. Well, for those of you who may be new here this morning, we've been in a series entitled Christmas at New City. Christmas at New City. And in that series, we have been diving into Isaiah chapter number nine, 
verse number 6. If you remember, uh, chapter 9, verse 6 talks about Isaiah describing four titles for this gift to the world that is Jesus Christ. Remember, we uh, looked at him as wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and today we'll look at him as prince of peace. But a couple of weeks ago, as it relates to wonderful counselor, we learned that according to Scripture, a counselor is two things. A counselor is, number one, wise, and number two, compassionate. Counselor is both wise and compassionate. We learned that wisdom is the capacity to understand and live from God's perspective. Wisdom is the capacity to understand and live from God's perspective. And we also learned that compassion for brokenness comes from brokenness. Compassion for brokenness comes from brokenness. And that's important because Jesus, our wonderful counselor, understands where we are. He understands uh, what we go through and how we feel. Why? Because he took it upon himself. He took it upon himself. And then we talked about him as mighty God. And we learned that we must surrender the things that we are carrying, like, like Rodney's book bag, if y'all remember. We have to surrender the things that we're carrying that weigh us down, the things that cause worry and stress and anxiety, and allow a mighty God to carry them. Allow a mighty God to carry them. And then on Christmas Eve, we learned that we have an everlasting Father who sees us, knows us, and loves us. An everlasting Father who sees us, knows us, and loves us. And this is important because sometimes we feel like nobody cares, right? We feel like nobody cares and nobody is concerned about us and nobody loves us. But we have an everlasting father, and that's one of the ones that resonated the most with me, is that God, God knows me. And the Bible says that he'll perfect the things that concerns me. And if he'll perfect the thing that concerns me, he'll perfect the things that concern you. Amen? And so this week, we'll conclude our series by talking about Jesus as our Prince of Peace. So I invite you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter number 9, verse number 6. should have a copy of the scriptures near you. It should also be preloaded on the app. Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6. When you have it, say, I got it. Wow. We'll wait. Wait on you. It's all good. It's all good. We'll wait. <laughs> Isaiah chapter number 9, verse 6. Got it. All right. Amen. We can move forward. Scripture reads, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And the word peace gets used a lot, used a lot, but I think we often misunderstand the real meaning of peace. In the Middle East, peace often stands for something more like a truce bringing temporary reprieve from war. To a young mother, peace could mean that hour of me time that she gets while the children are taking a nap. So depending on where you are in life or even perhaps where you live, peace means different things to different people. But the peace that Jesus offers, however, is like none other. His peace produces an internal calm in the midst of external circumstances. 
His peace produces internal calm in the midst of external circumstances. And we experience his peace when we are willing to trade in or surrender our fears, our worries, and our anxieties for a healthier fear or reverence for him. Or as we talked about last week, a deeper consideration for how God feels about what we do, think, and say. And so when we shift our focus from our situation to our Savior, peace ensues. When we shift our focus from our situation to our Savior, peace ensues. Peace then is not the absence of problems, rather it is the acknowledgement of his presence and his power in the middle of our problems. Is that making sense? And so I want to I talk for a minute in the beginning here about the promise of peace. The promise of peace. Because in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, Isaiah is prophetically proclaiming that there is a peace that is yet to come. In other words, he's saying that there is peace on the way. And the Hebrew word for peace here is shalom. Shalom. And it's often used in reference to an appearance of calm and tranquility of individuals, groups, and nations. But the Greek word means unity and accord. And the Apostle Paul uses uh, the Greek word for peace to describe the objective of the New Testament church. But the deeper, more foundational meaning of peace is this. The spiritual harmony brought about by an individual's restoration with God. The spiritual harmony brought about by an individual's restoration with God. Now, I want to highlight the word harmony in that definition. I learned some time ago that there is a difference between balance and harmony. We live in a world where we try to, we try to develop this work-life balance, and that certainly has its place. But I want to submit to you that there could be times in your life where God is working to develop your character. He's working to, to birth something that is in you that could cause you to get up early and stay up late, which from a time perspective can seem out of balance. But when it comes to what God is doing in your life, it's in perfect harmony. Does that make sense? And so essentially Isaiah is saying here that Jesus is the prince or the leader of peace. He's the prince or the leader of peace. Now listen to this definition of promise. Promise is an express assurance on which expectation is to be based. An express assurance on which expectation is to be based. So Isaiah is saying that there's peace that is coming. And he's prophetically trying to get God's people to expect this promise of peace that is on the way. And so for the people of Isaiah's day, it was a promise of peace. But for you and I, peace has already come. So for you and I, it's not more or less about the, the promise of peace, but it's about the power of peace, the power of peace. In other words, what can peace achieve in us, to us, or through us if we let it? What can peace achieve in the life of a believer if we let it? key phrase, if we let it. We all have what, what I believe are peace disruptors. We all have peace disruptors. You might be sitting next to your peace disruptor. Had a chance to 
share with our Matthews Campus family a few months ago, and I talked about how many of us are different people behind the wheel of a car. You sweet as pie any other time, but behind the wheel, straight savage. It's something about getting in the car and being around other drivers that disrupts your peace. I don't know what it is, but a lot of us, when we're in the car, we use choice language behind the wheel, amen? It's okay. It's, we, can be, we can be truthful to him. We use choice language behind the car. Now, I'm not going to tell y'all where that originated from. I'm not going to say no names. I'm not going to tell y'all where, where that originated from. But for me, it's, it's heights. It's something about being up high for me that's a peace disruptor. I, don't, I, don't ha- I have absolutely no love for heights, no love for that guy at all. It's amazing that I was a fireman for as long as I was because I, I, it's even the thought of being up high right now, it, it would disrupt my peace if I let it. But the key phrase is there's some powerful things that peace could do if we let it because Christ, Christ gives the Christian peace upwardly with God, outwardly with others, and inwardly with ourselves because man's rebellious nature caused us to be an enemy to God, to others, and even ourselves. And no good work, nothing we could do could save us from the eternal consequence of being enemies with God. But Jesus led the way through his death and resurrection. And we now have peace with God and can subsequently have peace with others and ourselves. So I want to show you a couple things uh, that peace has the power to do. Peace has the power, number one, to restore what was broken. Peace can restore what was broken. Peace restored our broken relationship with God. Ephesians 2, 17 through 18 says this, and he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Ephesians 2, 17 and 18. Romans 5, 1 says this, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So peace was instrumental in opening the door to our relationship with God. It's the reason why we can call God our everlasting father. But peace not only has the power to restore our relationship with God, it also has the power to restore our relationship outwardly with others. Listen to Romans 12, 18. It says, if possible... So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Now, let me tell you what that doesn't mean. Living peaceably with all, it doesn't mean harboring bitterness or anger in your own heart. It does not mean that. Sometimes we think we're doing our situations a favor by not saying anything. Now, I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't use wisdom and tact in our disagreements or disputes with others. But what I'm suggesting is that sometimes when you hold stuff in, you're not really at peace. But thanks be to God that we have been restored to him so we have an outlet for what's in our heart, even if it's not an outlet towards the other person. Listen to Hebrews 12, 14. It says, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which none would see which no one would see the Lord. Hebrews 12, 14. So if peace has the power to help restore our relationship with God and with others, it is essentially helping to pave the way 
for the fulfillment of the greatest commandment, which is to what? Love God and love others, right? Peace is helping to usher in or pave the way for this great commandment. And so peace has the power to restore our relationship with God, with others, and also with, our, with ourselves. How important is that? I cannot tell you how much people take for granted how they feel about themselves. Dealt with countless people that don't understand how important it is that you feel good about you. In the Christian community, low self-esteem is high. Depression is high. Suicides are high in the church. I never forget three years ago, I had to go back home to New York. Had a cousin, my, same age as me, same age, took his own life. And so I had to go and, and my aunt asked me to speak to, the, speak to those in attendance on behalf of the family. And it was eye-opening for me because if I didn't know before, I knew then just how important it is how I feel about me. It's critically important. And peace has the power to help restore how we feel about ourselves. Undoubtedly, there are many people around the world in this holiday season that don't feel good about who they are. And so if this, if this isn't for you, maybe it's for somebody you know. Maybe they need to be reminded of the power that peace has. John 14, 27 says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Verse 7 says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. How many know that sometimes you need God to protect you from you, right? You need God to save you from yourself. A lot of us have self-sabotaging habits and and self-limiting beliefs that govern how we live on a day-to-day basis, but we say we love God. I came to remind somebody today that peace has the power to restore our relationship with God, our relationship with others, and our relationship with ourselves. Peace also has the power to give us rest. Sometimes during the holiday season, I don't know about you, I forget what day it is, right? And so peace has the power to give us rest. In a chaotic world, the peace of God is necessary for us. In fact, we are called to rest. When we are at peace, worry and anxiety have no place to abide in us. When we're at peace, Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me. You got to be willing. He says, come to me and I'll give you rest. Listen to this commentary I read about rest. It says, rest is defined as to be free from whatever worries or disturbs you. Some people can't rest mentally because they are always bugged about everything. 
every little thing just pounds away in their brain. And they can never just rest because they're always hassled by everything. To rest, it goes on to say, means to be free from whatever hassles you, from whatever disturbs you, from whatever creates worry in your mind. It means, in this sense, to be quiet, to be still, to be peaceful, to be free from guilt and the things which drive us to mental unrest. And so bringing that across to God's rest, we would say that to enter God's rest simply means to be at peace with God. It means to possess the perfect peace that God gives. No more anxiety, no more pressure, no more guilt, just peace. He concludes with this. Rest also means to remain confident, to put your trust in something. In other words, you rest in something in the sense of confidence. And to enter God's rest theologically means to enjoy security, to enjoy security. No more fear. You now have absolute trust and absolute confidence in God's care and God's charge over your life. In God's care and God's charge over your life. It means that we no longer desire to be in control of everything. Some of us want to control everything. And for you and I to rest means we got to be willing to relinquish control, which means we got to be willing to trust God. And so peace has the power to help you and I enter into that rest. You'll be surprised just how much your body will appreciate you not being in control of everything. Being in a place where you are willing to actually trust God, which is, which is as believers, we're called to this. We're, call, we're called to trust God on this level. And so peace has the power to restore, has the power to give us rest, but it also has the power to redeem. Peace not only affords us a greater awareness of God's presence, it also helps to clarify his purpose for redeeming us. Our greatest need is not for earthly things, but rather eternal life. Peace in this life means nothing without the assurance of eternity with God. Jesus' sacrifice was ultimately so you and I can spend eternity with him. Thus, we are not left to ourselves in this life or in the next. In other words, this was his purpose for coming. His purpose for coming was to redeem you and I, was to redeem us. Listen to Ephesians 1.7. It says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Ephesians 1.7. Galatians 1.4 says this, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. It said the present evil age. We don't have to go far to know that evil is all around us, right? We turn on the TV, we turn on the news, evil is everywhere. For some of us, we look in our own block, in our own house, and evil is all around us. In fact, we live in a world that is largely contrary to the God that we serve. Second Corinthians calls Satan the God of this world. 
And so it's important that you and I live in a space of peace. Peace ought not be a place that we visit from time to time, but you and I as believers in a position to lead the world to Christ should live in a place of peace. We should dwell here. And so peace has the power to restore, to bring rest, and to redeem. And so we began by looking at the promise of peace. We just talked about the power of peace. And I want to begin to conclude by talking about a portrait of peace. A portrait of peace. In other words, what does, what does it look like for you and I to live in this space of peace in the middle of a chaotic world? What does that look like? Now, I'll begin to say that it starts with you and I being willing to trust and surrender. In other words, take responsibility for where we are in life. I had a mentor years ago, Dr. Mike Freeman. He looked at me one day and he said, son, your response is your responsibility. Your response is your responsibility. In other words, life for me, life for you, should be more about how you respond rather than what happens to you. Because we can't control everything that comes into our life, right? We can't, we can't control that. But we can certainly control how we respond. We have control over that. No matter how good it is, no matter how bad it is, we have control over how we respond. And our response is our responsibility. Listen to Isaiah 26.3 here. It says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusted you. Because he trusted you. The only way we can live in a space of peace is by trusting God. Colossians 3.15 says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, to which indeed you were called in one body. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Let it rule. Which means for you and I, we have to be intentional about this. Because if we're not careful, other things will rule in our heart. Bitterness will rule. Hatred will rule. Anger will rule if we're not careful. Here's the thing. If, we, if we're not intentional about letting peace rule, then we are intentional about letting other things rule. So the scripture says, let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. Listen, the problems and things that we go through that might be unexpected to us, they might be unfamiliar to us, they're not unexpected nor un unfamiliar to God. God knows. God sees exactly where we are and what we're going through. How do I know that? Because we have an everlasting Father who knows us, sees us, and who loves us. Listen to this story that Dr. Tony Evans shared attempting to give us a good portrait of peace here. And it reads, the story is told of a flight that hit some unusual turbulence, tossing the airplane side to side in strong gusts of wind. Clouds look more like coal. Lightning hit nearby. An eerie silence settled over the passengers in between their shrieks and screams. No one felt safe, except for one small child. He sat there preoccupied with his notebook and pen, drawing a picture of himself climbing a tree on a sun-filled day. 
to look at him, you would never have guessed he was on a plane in the middle of a storm. A passenger nearby noticed him and wondered how he could feel so calm. So she asked the young boy, aren't you afraid? He just looked up from his paper for a moment, smiled, and said, no. Why not, the lady prodded, gripping her seat. To which the boy responded, because my dad is the pilot. He answered matter-of-factly, then returned to his drawing. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes life seems out of control, no doubt. But for you and I, knowing who sits at the controls should usher in a heart of peace. So my question to you today is this. Will you allow Jesus to be the pilot of your peace? Will you allow Jesus to be the pilot of your peace? By his grace, we're at the end of 2019, the end of a decade. Undoubtedly, we've spent a lot of that time trusting in ourselves, trusting in our own ability to control the situations and circumstances of life. But I want to challenge us to do something different in 2020 and in the next decade. I want to challenge us to let go and let God, to surrender and trust and watch God take us to places we can only dream and only imagine. I believe that 2020 will be our best year yet. But it starts with you and I playing our part. Being willing to surrender and trust. And while we're doing so, remember that we are not alone. For unto us a child is born, so we are not left unto ourselves. Let's pray together. God, we give all the glory to you, our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting Father, and our Prince of Peace. God, we acknowledge that we like to control things. We like to control situations, and sometimes we even like to control people. But you've called us, God, to a life of surrender and a life of trust. So we ask, God, that you forgive us of the ways that we missed it. But we ask that you'd help us moving forward, God. Knowing now that peace has the power to restore. Peace has the power to give us rest. Peace has the power to redeem. And we pray that you would help us, Lord, to live in the space of peace. Where our peace is not determined by what's going on on the outside, but by your presence within us. Thank you, Lord, for another opportunity to be better in your sight. Now we ask that you would get the glory out of all we do moving forward. That the power of your peace may be evident in your people everywhere. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.